Did uh, did you guys do the trick or treat last night, TJ? Thumbs up, thumbs. You did? Yeah, we did. Is, do you have the neighborhood path that you go to, or do you guys go anywhere in Norman? We we go in our neighborhood. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, so this was my first like Washington Halloween because last year Halloween was on a Sunday, so they celebrated on a Saturday, and I think we had. I don't even remember who we were playing on Halloween last year. COVID kind of shut everything down in in 2020. Thank government. I'm totally I'm totally kidding. But COVID had shut things down in 2020, and I still lived in Norman in 2019. So last night was the first time I had a chance to do the Washington Halloween. Pretty pretty awesome. Pretty oh, cool. I might have to head out that way now. No, you're fine. You're fine. No, teacher, you're always invited. But I will say the great gift that happened last night was. There was, and this is a brilliant idea, by the way, as we welcome you into the Plank Show on a post-Halloween edition. There was a, everyone, I I felt like I need to go buy myself a gator or a golf cart because I'm pretty sure everyone that was in this community had either a gator or a golf cart, and I do not. But one of them was dressed like the one, a golf cart isn't dressed, but one one of the gators was done up like the Jurassic Park thing. It was really well done. But, wow. But guess what they would do is they would drive around every now and then and they would stop and they turn their lights on and they had full candy bars, whole candy bars, not the little mini snack size, whole candy. So you would literally have kids that are like trying to chase around this thing all night long. And I came up with a business idea. Hire me a couple kids, give them 10 bucks. You chase that thing down and you get me the whole candy bar and I'm good to go. Jurassic candy bars. It was brilliant, man. Good Halloween. How was yours? Oh, tremendous. Good tremendous. Morning. Good morning, Business Josh. was good. Did you get to go Did you get to go anywhere or did you have nah, to work nah, last we night? Just, we just chilled at home. Door light is on. Come on down. There are Oh, you welcomed in trick or treaters. That's correct. There yeah, business was good. Good. What was the uh what was the mo- Okay, I real quick and forget back to sports guy. Calm down. We're getting there. It's like 3 minutes yeah, into the show. Last night was Halloween. It was Halloween, man. And I still have an 8-year-old and a 14-year-old. 14-year-old too cool for trick or treating, man. Oh, unbelievable! I know. And this was the final year, so yeah, this hurt, right? This got hurt a little bit. I won't lie. Fifteen's too old. Once you're Re- fifteen, no more trick or treating. Really cut into the dad tax last night. I'm not going to lie, because usually I'd be good for at least three or four Snickers, but because we only had one kid that was out getting candy, that really hurt. Yeah, uh, I went from having three kids getting candy to one. Do you know how disappointing that is for the hall? Very disappointing. That's <laughs> a different um, world, but. So, I saw a lot of very, quote-unquote, common costumes. What was the most, or is there, say, a common costume that you saw? And I'm getting somewhere with sports on this. The, yeah, the, the, I mean, there were a lot. The Cinderella was sure, was right? popular. Uh, Scream saw a couple of those. That's always kind of a Halloween staple. Who else? Uh, you know, Jason, Freddy. Saw a couple of those guys. The Jason and the Freddy ones always kind of scar me, especially whenever they're in character. Because some people will not just wear the costume. They've got to try to become the person like they're auditioning for a play or something. It's like, easy. Easy, yeah, calm down, man. buddy. Calm down. <laughs> I don't need more nightmares. I got enough. I've got a mortgage. But I saw two that really caught my eye last night. That I were unique? That that were unique and constant. Right? It's It's like, oh, that's really cool. And you're like, Dang, that's pretty. I saw a lot of League of Their Own. Huh. Dressed up like the, and I'm, I 
can you believe I've sat here and I even looked it up and I can't remember the name of the team. But like the dad would be dressed up like Tom Hanks or the mom would be dressed up uh, like one of the players and they'd have the kids. It was cool. I saw a lot of league of their own. Um, you're trying. Let's see. What was the name of the team? Someone is yelling at us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. The Peaches. There you go. Jimmy Dugan. And that little kid. And one of the kids was dressed up like a brat. But I saw a lot of that. The second thing that I saw that I thought was really cool. You know, you see your your guys that are dressed up like football players uh, constantly, right? You'll see. And it's cool. See a lot of OU football players. Saw a lot of Pat Mahomes last night. My instinct was to go tackle the kid. <laughs> I'm thinking about dressing up next year like Max Crosby. And every single kid that is dressed up like a quarterback, I'm going to come this close to sacking him and just missing it. Because that's what Max Crosby does. Every single play. Get home, dude. But I digress. I saw a lot of OU softball players. Like I saw little girls that were dressed up like OU softball players. They're rock stars. That's so cool. Now, uh, there was this little dilemma because there's a part of me that's like, man, I'd li-, there was a, for instance, there was a girl uh, at, my, at my kid's school. They do this thing called the costume parade, right? And so for third to fifth graders, you go as a parent and they parade the kids around the gym in their costumes and – you know, like, oh, hey, look at that. There's so, and there was a girl dressed up like Jada. And I was like, nah, that's awesome. That's, and, and she kind of looked like Jada. I was like, is that Jada Coleman like 10 years ago? But, I mean, I can't be like, <laughs> I, 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 just, I just relax. I just want to take some pictures. You know, I, I'm like, I'm some creepy 47-year-old dude, even with my wife, where I'm like, hey, I'd love to get a picture of your kid. Or yeah, I don't, I don't know how you approach that. It, <laughs> Come I mean, here, kid. I want your picture. It's not weird, though, because you're the voice of OU right, softball. But even if I go and introduce myself like that, that comes across as even weirder, right? Hi, Chris Plank, voice of Sooner Softball. How's it going? Can I get a picture of your kid? You know, it's just- Quick selfie, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was fun, man. Yeah, I, I, there's really yeah, no good way to do that, I guess. My family had a blast, and I hope you all did, too. Maybe most of us have a little sugar hangover this morning. Tis fine. We got a bus- uh, busy show for you today. So, uh, Tuesdays during the football season, we count down to the Brent Venables press conference, which again, I think we're eight games in, so everyone kind of understands it contractually. We're not allowed to air it, so we jabber through the the BV press conference. And usually, you know, if nothing breaks out of it, we'll dive into a couple of national notes, which again. There's a vacancy in the SEC, one that we knew was coming. We'll talk about SEC coming. We'll talk about Auburn coming up in our next segment. And a, and a laundry list of candidates. And one that in a roundabout way kind of touches OU, which we'll get to in a bit. Auburn, real quick. Good job, right? Or is there. Absolutely, it's a good job. I mean, we've seen. Look, I, I get it took uh, Cam Newton to go win one, but we've seen Auburn win a national championship. We've seen him play for another one so and just where it's located right I mean we can get into it being the little brother of Alabama and this and that but this is uh this little brother is created differently from other said little brothers you can recruit there you can win big there probably probably shouldn't have what's the best way to put this because I'm not gonna say you shouldn't have fired Gus Malzahn but probably should have at the very least not allowed the boosters to have such a an influential role in his tenure because i think i think if everyone would have just chilled out i think Gus Malzahn could have finished his career there and had a pretty good run but i digress so there's an opening in auburn 
The uh, more details are coming out about the Big 12's TV deal and what it means for the Pac-12. I said this yesterday, and it's not a knock. I've just never seen it reported like this. But it's wild how in the reporting of the Big 12 media deal, which is a good deal, it's a really good deal for them. For some reason, every single penny they're going to make is reported from NCAA tournament appearances to a 12-team play. Like, literally, every number is reported in this. And I, I've never seen this happen before. When the SEC and the, and the Big Ten agreed in their media deals, it was, this is what they're getting from Fox, CBS, and NBC for the Big Ten, and this is what ESPN and ABC are paying for the SEC. But yet, for some reason, with this Big 12 deal, everything is added in. And later in the program... It's not as bad as it might seem for the Pac-12 right now. And I've said this from day one. I think the Pac-12 can survive. As a 10-team league with an Amazon Prime wanting to get into football, and if Amazon I, – I know some people are like, what about recruiting? Nine out of ten kids, I'm going to assume right now, they're not necessarily watching TV like we did where you – you get mad about having to shift the input on your phone, on your TV, in order to watch two games. I think that they're pretty edumacated whenever it comes to that life. So I, I want to get to some details of that. And in one other non-sooner football note, I guess we're just doomed for some pretty bad primetime football matchups this year. If it wasn't for the Raiders and the Chiefs game, which is still mind-blowing to me how that could have been so competitive, if it wasn't for that, Josh, we just, I don't know, Maybe it's okay to start flex scheduling a little bit early. Though, honestly, what happened last night was the exact opposite of what you would expect to happen. Sure. Cleveland yeah. beating the snot out of Cincy is not what we thought. No, you would have expected Cincinnati would play well. And instead, we got just the opposite. Right. It was a spooky night. Ooh, look at you. I like it. So, 913 on the Plank Show. One thing stood out to me from Saturday that at least on this program Josh for OU Iowa State we haven't talked about too terribly much and I I I kicked myself whenever we got we were driving back home and I hadn't I hadn't done anything about it I didn't ask Jeff Levy about it but there was there was one, one moment, and I don't remember off the top of my head. I was trying to look it up here real quick. There was one moment in the first quarter, maybe it was even early in the second quarter, where the Sooners had a complete and total line change on offense. And, you know, we, we saw it a lot on defense over the last few seasons, right? We saw line shifts defensively, complete and total overhauls defensively. We we haven't ever really seen it offensively, and I don't know in the sport of football if we see changes like this constantly or often on offense either. But literally, for the five offensive linemen, every single running back, um, Dylan Gabriel was still in. It was it was weird. But it was kind of cool because you looked out and you're like, oh, hey, look, there's Savion Bird and there's, you know, Jav- uh, I say Javante Barnes, sorry. There's Jaden Gibson. I mean, it's like, what? this is kind of cool. There's uh, one of the tight ends that you hadn't seen very often that was out there. 
And so it was the opening of the press conference, the first question to Jeff Levy yesterday, and I was grateful that Ryan Aber asked it because I'd kind of been kicking myself as to the, all right, why why did they do that? Why, why, Josh? Here's what Jeff Levy had to say about the why and what kind of precipitated it. Yeah, just getting live reps. You know, I, I think we talk about it all the time, but from a experience standpoint, you got to live it, you got to go do it. And so wanted to get those guys involved and were able to, felt like that was the right time. Um, you know, kind of knew exactly what we were going to get to with those guys in the game, and they uh, they executed and, and did did what we wanted to get done. Yeah, they executed. They they moved the ball into Iowa State territory. So, I guess mystery solved. But I th- I think I'm overthinking this, Josh. I thought it was freaking brilliant to do that because all week long. You're able to sell dudes that in two weeks long because we're coming off a buy, right? Now you tell me, uh, I'll take my my. Uh, I can take your bullets on the Air Comfort Solutions text line if you think that maybe I'm making too much out of one series or one drive. But for two weeks, for two weeks, you're able to keep an incredible group. We think right of young talent engaged maybe more so than they've been before, and fired up because, what? hey, you're getting a drive. You're getting a drive on Saturday. All of you. All of you. Savion Bird. And I, I apologize. I don't know who else was in off the top of my head. I was Again, I was panicking to look it up here because it just popped in my head. But Savion Bird was in there, which is a name we hear a lot. I think the Jake Taylor was in there. It was a whole new group, right? And, you know, I know they want to keep – Jaden Gibson engaged. But am I making too much of that, Josh? I thought that was awesome to see that play out and then to work the way that it did. Well, it's so unique, right? Is that something that he has done in the past, or is that just because, frankly, they're comfortable with this this second group? It's a great question. Because I can't imagine there's a lot of coaches – racing to, hey, you know, let's give our, our twos one full drive. Right. Yeah, I mean, now I, I know that once they got, I think, into Iowa State territory, it was the last drive of the first quarter. Once they got into Iowa State territory, then it kind of flipped. But, I mean, you bring in, you bring in an entire new offensive line. And you get nine yards, nine yards, and then on two carries for Marcus Major, you get nine yards as well. I mean, that's pretty, pretty solid. A good sign for the future, too. Absolutely. So, I just, I hadn't, I was kicking myself because I hadn't thought about it. I was kicking myself because it hadn't been like a story that I followed up on like I should as a good reporter. But I don't know. It just and, – and I'll say this, not as if there's ever any any issue with like guys hanging their heads or, or, or dragging a little bit on the sidelines, and it helps too when you're winning, but there was some juice down there all game long, all game long. Now, the juice box boys weren't there doing their thing where they're moving around on the sidelines and suddenly Gavin Sawchuck is on some dude's shoulder. But I just – I don't know. I thought it was kind of a – a cool moment, and maybe it was one of those things to where they said, hey, we're going to guarantee you a drive. Don't know when, um, but whenever it, 
whenever they were called upon, they made it work. And I thought that was pretty cool. thought it was pretty cool. Again, that's just not something I think that you see every day. And obviously the fact that it went well is uh, positive and makes you feel good about what maybe the future might have in store. But you're right. The You know, it's just so different to do that. But then, you know, to sell guys on the idea that, hey, look, this opportunity is right there for you is uh, is attractive. Pretty cool. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's hit what happened yesterday in the SEC and the potential ties that it has to Oklahoma. Auburn is open. Who's candidate number one? We'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. So, I mean, today I made all these plans because I've got family things, and of course there's like 10 things that pop up that I could be doing. It's like, hey, can you do this interview here? Can It's like, ah, the day. This was the day. I got to be soccer dad tonight. I got to be horse riding dad tonight. It's a big night. Tuesday nights have been a big night. In the Plank household. But. And now you get to well, no, I, do I, some other stuff. I, well, I, I called on – they asked me to come in on SiriusXM. I'm like, I can't today. So I'm quickly signing my contract extension and sending it in just to make sure that saying no to a shift doesn't end up being like, well, he can't work. Yeah, well, uh, that's the end of this. And that didn't work out so well. We'll see what else we can do. And, um, yeah, I guess I'll just have to find a way to get this interview done. We'll make Con- it happen. Congratulations on inking it up. They're year-to-year deals. So I'm, I don't do well. I like to have a little security, right? I like to have – well, let me, let me rephrase that. I've never had a contract in my 47 years of radio until I moved out here. <laughs> it was just kind of back in the day, it's like you show up. It's like, is there a corporate guy here today? No. So I'm not getting fired? No. All right, let's go. Cool. Here we go. Let's do another show. SEC News, man. As we welcome you into the Plank Show right here on The Ref, we've got a four-team playoff poll that's being released tonight. Josh and I will give you our official predictions in hour two. Do you have an official prediction? <laughs> I There's always something weird that happens that you don't expect, right? I mean, Oregon being four last year was something. But we'll have to get to your official predictions coming Yeah, I need to think on. about it a little bit, too. How, hey! No! That is not allowed in this industry, Josh Helmer. Have I not taught you anything? You don't get to sit and think about it. You say the first thing that comes to your mind, and then even if it's dead bleep and wrong, you defend it vociferously. Is that a word? Yes, vociferously. Fire, then aim later. So big news in the SEC yesterday as Auburn head coach Brian Harson was fired. Boy, I, there, there's a part of me that kind of feels for this dude because – I mean, he was an up-and-coming, hot-shot dude, right? Worked his way through uh, Boise State, and that had always been kind of a place where you saw the next big dog come from. Had an incredible you know, coaching pedigree there. He spent a couple years at Texas as their co-OC and quarterbacks coach before he got the head job at, Boise, at Arkansas State and then moved on to Boise State. Now, in, in fairness, in fairness – to him, you know, Boise State hasn't been the same since he left. So, I, you know, you can take that for what you want. Maybe that's a magnification, the great job that he did, or maybe he left him a little talentless. But he was there for, what, seven years. So it wasn't like he was just a one-and-donner or something. 
But literally from the moment they hired him, it was almost it, – I felt a lot, and I know Tech Tina might get mad at me, but I felt like Harson getting hired at Auburn reminded me a lot of Matt Wells getting hired at Texas Tech to where they're two really, really good coaches. But regardless of what they say or do, it's just never going to be enough. I mean, there's still people at Texas Tech to this day, to this day, that will complain about it because – I mean, all he did was everything he could to try to build a foundation and win games. But I digress. So I kind of feel for Brian Harson because I felt like, Josh, he was put into a situation at Auburn where he wasn't the donor's pick, he wasn't their guy, and it just seemed as if – now, so, some would push back. I was listening to Andy Staples, and I'm sure he would push back on this and say, yeah, okay, that's fair, that's fair. But he also went in with a – a mindset of, well, we're going to get guys and develop them. you know. And, and Coach Venables talks about that holistic approach with development, right? But what, is, what do they also do, Josh? They go and they recruit dudes. You know, they go and they're, they're, they're in on about every five-star defensive player they can find it that's interested. So Harson had a different approach, never really meshed. They tried to fire the guy this offseason, made his family life hell from everything that I've been able to take from those who cover this program and now he's finally out. And a not not a bad little chunk of change to say adios. So with all of those precursors and understanding he's walking away with fifteen and a half million dollars, I I now have another vacancy in which we can talk about. And that's Auburn. Here's real quick what Pete Thamel said on the College Game Day podcast, not just about the end of the Brian Harson era but the beginning of John Cohen's era, who is the athletic director at Mississippi, or was the athletic director at Mississippi State. Now he's the AD at Auburn. Here's what John Cohen had to say. Or, here's Pete what Thamble. Pete Thamel had to say about John Cohen getting hired and the possibility of what their coaching search might look like. In three, two, one. Imminent from the day that the university announced its inquiry in February into Brian Harson's uh, into the rumors about allegations that were completely untrue and unfounded. Um, basically, that Auburn showed their cards at that point when they decided to run that inquiry into Brian Harson based on no evidence and no reality that they didn't want him as the coach. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, they essentially sent this season off the rails as a sacrificial lamb. They killed this recruiting class. Now, look, a new coach can come in and it's a new world with the portal, but They are at last check, either last or second to last in the SEC in recruiting right now. So essentially Auburn so badly wanted to get rid of Brian Harson that they have sacrificed a year, essentially a season and a year of football in order for this moment to come. So the moment is here. This is not a surprise. When we look back at the great moments of Auburn dysfunction, (laughs) think about Jet Gate, obviously. I do think this uh, non-le-affaire Harson would probably be among the top moments of Auburn dysfunction because it's pervasive. This isn't just a crazy idea or crazy booster. This went right from the top of the administration and swept all the way through. I think about the D word on this one, Josh Helmer, disaster. It was a disaster. It truly was. And, boy, this has been a disastrous year uh, for the the coaching cycle, too. Now – you, you pulled up some crouton numbers that caught your eye. 
Well, just what Pete Thamel said, I, I that blows my mind that Auburn is this this bad. I mean, they're dead last right now in the SEC recruiting rankings. And, you know, this time during the summer when there was a, you know, a little bit of a panic from, I would say, a minority of the Oklahoma fan base, certainly though nationally there was some conversation about that with Oklahoma, it was too soon, right? It was too soon before the summer months had come and gone, coming out of the spring to be panicked about where anybody was at, Oklahoma, anybody in recruiting rankings. Well, now we're, you know, about two months away from where most of these guys are going to ink, where they're going to play football at, and Auburn's 14th out of 14 teams in the SEC in recruiting. Just got the, the 10 commits. Oof. So for somebody that finished 9-12 and 12 overall as the head coach at Auburn and went 1-5 in his last six at Auburn, I mean, that, that might be the most fireable offense of them all is that there's no optimism with what's going on pushing forward. But I can make a quick comparison. The, Jimbo Fisher, I know that their numbers don't look great. Here, scroll up a little bit. Where is Texas A&M right now? Yeah, they're, they're eighth in the SEC with just 12 commits, but there is optimism around that class. Last year, I mean, they were number one overall. And the 22 class that keeps them around. Steve Sarkeesian, if Arch Manning isn't committed, then how hot is that seat for Sark this year? If you're able to sell a future and a vision, then yeah, go for it. Get fired up. You can't do that right now at Auburn. All right, so here's the – let's take a break. Let's get to the candidates when we come back. I'm, I'm working on clock management, Josh. I heard Toby and TJ talking this morning about – Poor clock management for college football coaches. So I'm working. I'm working on making it better. Yeah, Jesse G. Put us on blast. He did, but it was well done. So a quick break. When we come back, top candidates and the Oklahoma tie, if you will, to it next right here on the ref. All right, real quick. I wanted to put a wrap on some of the um, Auburn stuff. They moved on from their coach. I think it's a big story. Think about the future of Oklahoma and the SEC. We're going to see Auburn a little bit more, a lot of bit more. In fact, I think the only time I remember OU playing Auburn is what, in the Sugar Bowl, whenever they beat them. But, yeah, I don't – I think it's a big story. I really do. I think it's a big story. Good, good point on the Air Comfort Solutions text line from the 405. All, um, Alabama screwed it up for everyone. But they've really screwed it up for Auburn. Sure. Yeah, they've, they've uh, made Auburn crazy, right? Made Auburn impatient. They've made Auburn so impatient that the Tigers moved on from the one coach that had had success against Nick Saban. I mean. Then again, uh, you know, any of those firings didn't necessarily seem crazy right. at the time. Right. Fire, well, Listen, Gene Chizik won a national championship, and two years later he was out. But when you go 11-14, and 14, that's unfortunately probably going to happen. Right. I mean, Gus Malzahn, we can sit here and say how dare they move away from him, but it was after a 6-5 and five season, right? Now, granted, it was during COVID, so it was a little different year, but he was coming off 8-5 and five and 9-4. and four. But I don't – I mean, you think about it, Josh. Find me another program – that in 11 years, well, I mean, this will probably, someone will have it probably right off the top of my head, but in 11 years, 
has not only won a national championship, but played for another one, and in that span is on its fourth different head coach. <laughs> right, yeah. No, it, it exists at one place, and that one place is Auburn. I mean, they won the national championship in 2010, right? They played for the national championship in 2013. So twelve. I mean, over 12 years, they've won two national titles and will be on their fourth different head coach. How many... How many coaches has LSU had over the last? Like, oh, that might be close. All right, let's look. LSU three football year by year, because uh, there's a Miles in there, there's an Orgeron in there, and now there's a Brian Kelly. So the craziness of LSU might be kind of close. That's a good point. It's a good point, Josh. That's that's the only other one though. Yeah, national championship under Ed Orgeron in nineteen. Well, you could take it back. It was fifteen years because Miles won his title. In 2007. So yeah, it's a little it, bit of a long, but still in that same vein. Oof, and, oof. and they were not nuts about Les Miles. I mean, he had stability. He had a long tenure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Les Miles probably was given maybe too long of a two leash. more years than he should have. Now, again, those were eight and five and nine and three seasons. But I think as, as we've learned, at least in my mind, Goal number one is to win your conference championship, right? Goal number two is to 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 play for to make the four team playoff. Goal three is win a national championship. But when some of those goals start to be eliminated, there's still that goal that yeah, we're gonna win ten games. Okay, we're gonna be a program that wins ten football games. And yeah, Les I, Miles wasn't that for a while at LSU. No, and so it's what we're heading into, peeps. It's crazy town, but. I thought this was fascinating from Brandon Marcello, longtime college football writer, and he was asked on CBS Sports, who's the number one candidate at Auburn? Number one candidate will be Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He will be the number one guy, and I can tell you this because John Cohen, coming from Mississippi State, very familiar with what Lane Kiffin's obviously done at Ole Miss, but here's the number one thing. He has been a killer in the transfer portal. He calls himself the transfer portal king. Auburn needs immediate help on that football program. They can fix a lot of their issues through the transfer portal. It won't be a overnight rebuild, but a man like Lane Kiffin can come in there, fix things, get it back on the right track almost immediately. They need a coach like that to do it. John Cohen, very familiar with that. Also, Auburn will offer a much larger NIL base than Ooh. Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin has complained about that publicly and privately at Ole Miss about their NIL situation. Auburn's in a position right now, based off my sourcing this past week and reporting this story, they have at least $11 million piled up in NIL money right now ready to go to help that football program. And that is only going to increase over these next coming weeks and these coming months. Whoever they try to go after, as a coach, they're going to want someone who can work that transfer portal, is a killer recruiter, and they're going to promise them the world when it comes to NIL. So, um, I like Brandon Marcello a lot. I think he's a good reporter. I think you could probably take that in like a third. Every time there's an NIL dollar figure, I heard that X team has $150 million in NIL money. They're just giving out. $1 billion. I, I usually think you could take about a third of that to be true. Maybe even less. 
But yeah. Looking for that Dr. Evil payout. Right. I've heard that Auburn is offering one trillion dollars <laughs> in re- that think- was interesting, though. He said he's been uh, he's been following this story story for the last week. So, w- was he exaggerating a little bit there, or was that his way of saying he kind of had the rumbling? I mean, I guess multiple people kind of could have figured that the Harson thing was happening quickly, but the same day the ads announced, I think that there had been a lot of people in the SEC, Josh, who have been working on Brian Harson's replacement for about two years since he was hired right really since last summer for sure the last spring i guess i guess for me i just why why do we do this i've of course someone in that department of course someone that might be a source of yours is going to try to build up these incredible nil deals do you know what i've seen so far is that's great and getting them there but it seems as if all it's caused at A&M this year is problems. So when we as fans want to freak out over, I heard this collective, okay, I think we're fine. I'm not going to panic about it yet. And with the new rule, I mean, the NCAA, as ridiculous as it sounds, this is – oh, let me give you a comparison real quick before we break. Do you know when a rule change changes in, in, in pro football and you watch the preseason and it's just called incessantly? It's like, my gosh, they've called eight pass interference in this game. This is terrible. And then you get to the regular season. And it's fine. I think that you're going to see a big-time overcorrection whenever the NCAA gets its enforcement staff in place. And I think they're going to go after some people. Because it's not as – even with the way the rules are written – it's not just a booster can go offer a million dollars for a kid to come play for you. No. Enticement is still a no-no. <laughs> All right. Um, there you go. I My Oklahoma tie that I brought up twice, one of them is with an opponent this weekend because it's not Dave Aranda whose name keeps getting brought up for Auburn. It's his offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, who was the Auburn OC whenever they – I don't know if he was technically the OC with Gus. He was – uh, I think O-line coach, but uh, Jeff Grimes a little older, a little more established, and there's rumors that he could be the guy that they want to turn to as their head coach because of his experience. I know that's not a sexy name. The other name that keeps getting brought up quite a bit is Mark Stoops, and that's kind of an, an, an indirect tie, right? Jeff Grimes, Baylor assistant, play know you this week, and don't, don't think it's going to affect his game prep <laughs> that Auburn is open. Try to read into that too much. Don't go that far. But Mark Stoops is interesting because the question is, with everything that they've done at Kentucky, have, have they reached their ceiling? You know, is that a place that Mark Stoops looks? And, I, and I, I'm not going to pretend. I, Ari Wasserman brought up a great point. You know, I'm sure Coach, Coach Stoops has, Bob Stoops has, but I haven't sat down and had like a life conversation with Mark Stoops, nor do I think that he would with me. But I don't, I don't know what his ultimate goal is. I don't know if he looks at it and says – I've built something here. I'm the all-time winningest coach in Kentucky football. We, with the transfer portal and you know the success we've had in developing NFL talent, we can get dudes in here. We can win. I don't know if he or, or if his ultimate goal is I need to go somewhere that can win a national championship, sure. and I don't have the resources here at Kentucky. I don't know. I, I don't know. Kyle Walton right away. Matt Rule as a name. Yeah, his name's been bandied about like crazy. I think he'd be great at Auburn. I really do. It would be a good hire. Boy, 
Do you know what then there's far-reaching tentacles of that? Because if Matt Rule is hired, it's a lot of dudes still around Baylor that were on his staff. You know, there's he's got the dudes at Carolina and Phil Snow that could come right in as be his defensive coordinator. That would be be an interesting hire. And it would have some tentacles that reach in a Big 12 country. But there you go. Big news yesterday. Auburn adds to the list of Wisconsin, Nebraska, Colorado, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, and Charlotte as Division I vacancies. I feel like I left one out. Auburn. You get, you definitely got all the Power 5 vacancies. Okay. Beautiful. Quick break. When we come back, more of your texts plus the best of Jeff Levy and Ted Roof as we count down to the Brenton Venables press conference at 11.15 right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. So, off the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, I did see this from the 817. Um, I don't know. I'm always confused by this. Is he going back and forth with Travis or is he texting the show? Anyway, people need to calm down over losing McDonald. Give Bates time to develop guys like Alton Tarber and Cedric Roberts. Yeah, uh, yesterday, Caden McDonald, four-star defensive lineman, whom uh, was down to Florida, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. But, um, well, I, I should say, he was down to Florida, Clemson, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and then who he eventually chose, Ohio State. And I just to kind of give you an idea, if people are mad about Caden McDonald, oh boy, it's DEFCON 1 in Gainesville right now. They are freaking out. That so, they didn't get McDonald? Oh, yeah. I guess he was kind of considered, as much as people think that McDonald is considered a slam dunk here, right? Many thought he was going to Florida. Yeah, that's, again, like I said, I don't, get, I don't allow myself to get too carried away in the Cretan world. Yeah, I mean, he's from Sewanee, Georgia, so I, I can imagine, yeah, that Florida was uh, disappointed to not only not get him, but then to see him wind up committing to Ohio State. Was he another one of those crystal balls that everyone, after he announced, then magically changed their crystal ball projection to uh, to Ohio State? No? Okay. Oh, crystal ball the whole time to Florida, and then magically an hour before he makes the – oh, we're crystal balling him here. Yeah, I do see a lot of uh, October 31st crystal balls here. <laughs> um, 714 texts in. Twitter says Bill O'Brien is the next Auburn coach. I have a theory on that. I have a theory on that. I think Alabama fans are kind of done with Bill O'Brien. So now every time there's a vacancy, and it's like, oh, Bill O'Brien, you did a great job at Penn State. I also I also think that Bill O'Brien has a pretty good agent and maybe some pretty good friends in the media because, holy smokes, his name gets brought up for every single college job that's out there. Well, what about Bill O'Brien? What about Bill O'Brien? Like, what? Um, but that's good. That's a good catch. It's a good catch, a couple of them on there. It's good for the 917. Which job would Matt Rule want the most? Which would want him the most? Auburn, Nebraska, or Wisconsin? I think it's a two-horse race. I think it's Auburn or Nebraska. And I think I would put maybe a third as Colorado because, you know, I, I like Matt Rule. I don't think he's going to be sexy enough for Auburn. And I don't – I think – I mean, my Nebraska sources tend to think that they're gonna they're gonna give the interim every chance to keep this job. So we'll see. But 
I don't. Good, good for Mickey Joseph if that Mickey happens. Mickey Joseph, thank you. But again, he keeps losing. I don't. It's like they keep losing games. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to get that job. I hope that he does for his sake, but I doubt it. And and I think Wisconsin's really going to do everything they can to give Jim Leonard a shot because they know if if Jim Leonard doesn't get the job, he's probably going to be the next defensive coordinator for the Packers. So, yeah, if he doesn't get the head gig, he's gone. Right. I, I would. I would say probably Matt Rule would want Nebraska. I think that he could recruit well to the Big Ten. I think Auburn, it might get a little lost in the weeds. And then um, here for the morning, well, real quick to put a cap on our Halloween talk, Shane the Train in Newcastle. Best costume in my neighborhood was a little girl dressed in a pickle costume. There was a dude in a pickle costume last night, and every time I ran, in, ran into him, you know what I had to do? Pickle Rick! Pickle Rick! He had no idea what I was talking about. No. Um, he had uh, ketchup, mustard, and relish. Uh the inflatable dinosaur, yeah, Zach, that was very popular last night. And ooh, from the 405, I was talking about going from three trick-or-treaters to one. He went from five to two. Oh, dude, I am sorry. That really, really messes with the dad tax. All right, quick break. When do we come back? What do we learn from Jeff Lebby and Ted Roof yesterday? That's next right here on The Ref.